Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary PSL. Please join our executive pastor, Will, for the message, Trust the Process. So when I was a kid, um, I played on a competitive soccer team and we were known as the Little Rock Capitals. Now I'm from Arkansas. I grew up in a small town right outside of Little Rock and uh, I would travel to Little Rock to play soccer. And uh, so I was on the Little Rock Capitals. And I gotta tell you, we were a team to be feared, all right? I'm not bragging, just stating facts, right? We were a team to be feared. We knew how to win, and uh, we would win decisively. Uh, But if I'm being honest with you, there were seasons where we actually struggled a lot. Um, I can remember really good players leaving for other teams, and I can remember uh, just being worn out, and I can remember uh, uh, just things just not coming together like they should um, for the team. Um, Players would get injured and so forth, and so uh, there were these seasons, right, where uh, we just went through a lot of frustration, and we went through a lot of, of, of loss, and I gotta tell you, you know, when you go through these, these swings of, of uh, uh, being, you know, undefeated champions, and then the next season you're uh, mostly defeated, um, it, it's, it's very difficult. It's, it's hard to stay positive. It's, it's hard to stay hopeful and optimistic. But I remember three words that my coach told my team that helped us get through those difficult seasons. Three words that helped us know that better days were ahead and that he had our backs and that he had our best interest in mind. And those three words were, trust the process. Trust the process. Today, I wanna talk to you about the process of the Christian life. And what I wanna say to you today is that you are on a winning team. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you are on a winning team because it's team Jesus. And yet, if we're being honest, there are many losing seasons in the life of a Christian, right? And don't get me wrong, there's plenty of winning seasons where we're winning over the battle of sin, where we're uh, winning in our fellowship with the Lord, you know, winning over suffering and, 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 and all the, the, the negative seasons in our life. But the truth is, the Christian life is filled with challenges, And it's filled with uncertainty and it's filled with suffering and it's filled with loss. I mean, let's face it, ladies and gentlemen, we're in a season like that right now with everything that's going on with COVID-19. Many people have lost loved ones. They've lost jobs. They're afraid, right? It's a very difficult season. Just a a week or so ago, um, an African-American man unjustly lost his life And I'm not gonna politicize that or get into that a whole lot, but our country is hurting. My African-American brothers and sisters are hurting right now. It's a a very, very difficult season. But what I wanna say to you right now is that as we go through this difficult season, that we can learn to trust the process. We can learn to trust the process. I know we may be struggling right now. I know we may be facing uncertain times and honestly, some of us are wondering like, what even is the point anymore, right? Like I have tried and tried and tried. I've been in the word, I've been praying, you know, I've been trying to focus on the Lord and it's just, things are just not good. So like, what even is the point, right? you like, all this effort, all this hard work and everything seems to be falling flat. But what I want you to know right now, wherever you are listening or watching is that, There's hope. There's hope 
And I want you to know that everything that's going on, as difficult as it is, is part of a larger process that I know is gonna lead to a huge win. One day Jesus is coming back and he's gonna take us to glory. And there's gonna be no more sickness, there's gonna be no more suffering, there's gonna be no more unnecessary deaths or injustices, all right? It's all gonna be gone. God's gonna make everything right. But right now, as we live this Christian life, we gotta learn to trust the process. And so if you're taking notes, here's the big idea for my message today. The big idea is that the gap between who I am today and the person that I'm being changed into is filled with challenges and uncertain times. But hope helps me trust the process. All right, so the gap between who I am today and the person that I am becoming is filled with challenges and uncertain times, but it's hope that helps me trust the process. Listen, as Christians, we are in a process of ongoing change. Theologians call it sanctification. Others simply call it becoming more like Jesus. Call it what you want, but it's a process that we go through when we decide to follow Jesus. It's the gap between who I am today and who I will become. Now, as we begin to unpack this, here's a great, great question. Who am I, right? Who am I? Well, I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. That's who I am. You know, growing up, I didn't know the Lord. I kind of blazed my own path and did my own thing and struggled with sin. And then in my early 20s, I heard the gospel and I came to the realization that Jesus is better than anything this world has to offer. And I made a decision for myself to repent and to trust him in faith. And in that moment, I became a son of God. And as a son of God, I stood justified before my God. And, which was, and this, that's what this means. This is what that means, justified. This is, I love this. I learned this a long time ago and it's, it's, it's never gotten stale for me. But when we say that we're justified as Christians, it means that God looks at us just as if we never sinned. That's how God looks at me now. That's who I am. A son of God, justified. But I gotta be honest with you. I look at me and go, hey, still a work in progress, right? Struggle every day. No perfect Christians here. But that's who I am. I'm a son of God. And I wanna ask you, who are you? What's your testimony? Now, another great question is who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? Well, for me, I know that I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. And I know that the end result for me is that I'm gonna become a glorified resident of heaven. So who am I? I am a son of God justified in the eyes of God. Who am I becoming? I'm becoming a glorified resident of heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, says it this way. It says, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, okay, this hasn't happened yet. This is something that's happening in the future. He will transform my lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. That's my destiny. Yeah. 
to be a glorified resident of heaven. Now, what I want you to see is that there's a gap there between who I am today and who I will become. And that gap represents the sanctification process. Now, that word sanctification means to set apart or to set it apart, it being me, it being you, right? It's the ongoing process of making me more like Jesus. And what we have to realize is that this process of sanctification with all of its great moments and with all of its amazing benefits is filled with challenges and uncertain times. And I'm gonna be really honest with you right now. For me, the process isn't always fun. Okay, can we, can we just be honest about that? Struggles, disappointments, losses, okay, trials as we call them, they ain't easy. In fact, to be super transparent with you, I would tell you this, that sometimes the trials I go through in my life, they complicate my ability to have a proper perspective. And they complicate my ability to trust that the process has great purpose. And while that may be true for you too, what I want you to know today and what I'm trying to embrace too in my own life is that there is hope and that hope can help me trust the process. In fact, I wanna say it to you like this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Hope helps me live in the gap knowing that the process is all part of the plan. Hope helps me live in the gap knowing that the process is all part of of the plan, that the process, as difficult as it is sometimes, is preparing me to be a glorified resident of heaven. And so this is the big idea today in in 1 Peter 1, three through nine. Peter writes a letter to persecuted Christians living in the five regions of Asia Minor. And in this letter that we're gonna look at today, Peter encourages them in the midst of their suffering by reminding them that salvation is a wonderful thing and that they have the hope of eternal life. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter one and let's begin in verse three. Peter says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so Peter He opens up his letter and he's he's saying to these persecuted Christians, hey, all you sons and daughters of God down in Asia Minor, I know what you're going through. I know it's a difficult season for you. I know you're struggling right now. I know the process feels a lot like losing, but I wanted to remind you who you are and I wanted to remind you about your destiny. Okay, and so he lays out this beautiful chain reaction that happens when we become believers. All right, and I'm paraphrasing here, but this is basically what Peter tells them. 
He tells them that mercy activates God's grace. And he tells them how that God's grace in partnership with his mercy activates salvation, right? Being born again. And then he tells them that being born again activates sonship or daughtership, which comes with living hope based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But that's not all, right? Because then he goes on to say that there's an inheritance that comes with it, but not just any inheritance, right? Maybe you've inherited $100,000 or a firearm or a couch, an old leather couch that you didn't even want, but you inherited it, right? This is a different kind of inheritance that Peter's talking about here, right? He's talking about an inheritance that, is, uh, that can't be destroyed, an inheritance that has no flaws, an inheritance that will not lose its beauty. And not only that, but he tells them that that inheritance is being kept or guarded for them in heaven. And, and, feels like a, a commercial right now, right? But wait, there's more. That's Peter right now. And not only all that, but God's power, he tells them, partnered with your faith is like a garrison for your soul as you wait for the final consummation of your salvation. And so Peter's saying, hey, I know you're suffering down there, but remember, you're a child of God and you are an heir and you have living hope. Now look at verse six. He goes, he goes on to say, in this you rejoice. In this, what's this? Well, he's talking about the position and the promise that he just spoke about, right? The position being child of God, the promise being an inheritance. And by the way, when you add those two things together, what do you get? Living hope, right? So Peter's saying in that, right there, in the promise, in the position, and in the promise that gives living hope, what do you do? You rejoice, you rejoice. And what I love about this is Peter says, this is what you're doing right? Not what you're supposed to be doing, not what you could be doing in the midst of all your suffering. No, this is what you're doing. You are rejoicing. Peter's affirming them here. He's affirming them here. And so he says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Why? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, which by the way is more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen. That it may be found. It hasn't been found yet. This hasn't happened yet, right? That it, that it may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter's telling them, listen, listen, you're being built for an incredible moment in the future. You're being built for something. Jesus is coming back and you're being built for that moment. And, and as you go through this, this process, as you face trials of many kinds, you're rejoicing, and I just wanna say, way to go, right? Like, you're getting this right as you live in the gap, okay? And I hope you see that. There's a gap there. There's a gap between who Peter says they are and what they're being built for. Do you guys see the gap? 
There's a gap between the declaration of who they are and the tried and true person of faith that is to be found when Jesus returns. Now, what is that gap characterized by? It's characterized by grief from trials of many kinds. Are you experiencing grief because of trials of many kinds? The big idea is that the gap between who I am today and the person that I'm being changed into is filled with grief from trials of many kinds. And so I want you to track with me here because I wanna make sure you see this, okay? So I'm gonna kind of summarize everything. I don't want you to miss this, so listen to this. Peter is writing to believers who are living in the gap and they're going through it. They're being persecuted. They're living in the gap. They're going through the process of sanctification and he tells them this. He tells them mercy activates grace and grace and mercy activate your salvation which comes with an inheritance and then that promise of the inheritance activates living hope. What does living hope activate? Does it activate heaven? No, Jesus activates the promise of heaven when he returns, right? So what does this, what, the, there's this chain reaction here, right? The question is, what does living hope activate? It's gotta activate something, right? Well, here's the answer. Living hope activates trust and joyful participation in the process of sanctification. Living hope activates trust and joyful participation in the process of sanctification. Living hope helps me trust the process. Look at verse eight. Peter writes to these persecuted believers and he says this, he says, though you've not seen him, speaking of Jesus, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What is Peter doing? He's acknowledging the fact that Jesus was no less real to them just because they hadn't seen him. These early church believers, they had not seen Jesus like Peter had. And Peter's acknowledging that Jesus was just as real to them as he was to Peter. And how did he know that? Well, by the evidence of love and joy in their lives. What did Jesus say in John 14, 15? He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Not if you love me and you're in a good season, you'll keep my commandments. But if it's a bad season, you can, you can kind of, Kind of do your own thing because I understand you're upset and you're going through difficult times. No, that's not what he said, right? He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You guys, these persecuted Christians, they were showing their love for Jesus by being faithful to him through the process. And Peter was saying, way to go. I see you. I I'm hearing about you. And the way that you love the Lord by the way that you're following him. Way to go. 
way to go. And not only that, he, he says, but you have joy. But not just any kind of joy. No, you have joy that is inexpressible. Just a little side note here, that word translated joy inexpressible here, it's the only occurrence of this word found in the New Testament. And it describes a joy so big that you can't even find words to describe it. So I'm not even gonna try to describe it. It's just joy inexpressible. And I gotta be honest with you. Like, I read this passage and I go, wow. Like, these Christians were being persecuted. They were being mocked and ridiculed, killed even. Like, they feared for their lives every day. And yet, they were faithful to love the Lord. They were faithful to operate with a, a spirit of joy that is inexpressible, right? Like we, we get a flat tire or a bad parking spot or go to pour you know, milk in the, cereal, in the cereal only to realize that it's spoiled and like our whole life falls apart, you know? And, 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 and we feel like, oh, I'm carrying my cross for Jesus. Like, oh, I'm really going through it now. Like, are you kidding me? Like these, these Christians, they were being persecuted. Like, we don't even understand what real persecution is. And I, I read this and I go, how do they do it? How, how, how did they get this reputation of being so filled with love and so filled with joy in the midst of so much struggle and so much pain? Like, what was their secret sauce? Well, I'll tell you what it was. It was hope. But not just any kind of hope. It was living hope, living hope. Now, Peter does not contrast those who have living hope with those who don't, but I'm gonna take the liberty to do so because I think it's important. Okay, this is the, this is the difference between someone who has living hope and someone who doesn't. This is the difference between someone who is a child of God and someone who is not. People who don't know Jesus have dying hope. They have dying hope. Now, people can have hope, right? They can have all the hopes and dreams that they want. They can be successful. They could accumulate all kinds of wealth and possessions. But if they don't know Jesus, they have dying hope. Why? Well, because dying is the end for them. Death completes their journey. In contrast, though, Christians have living hope. You know why? Because death here on earth activates eternal life in heaven. Amen. We're sons and daughters of God. And, and, and we have an inheritance waiting for us. All right, these persecuted Christians um, down, down in the five regions of Asia Minor, they understood that. Like they really got that. They really, really got that. And it gave, is that living hope helped them to obey the Lord and to have joy and to trust the process. Some of us get bit by a mosquito and in 30, 30 seconds or less, we cuss, act miserable and question life. Seriously though, like why is it that we get so easily sidetracked by sin, walk around like those without hope and complain and bicker about the trials that we're going through? Well, I think the reason that we act like that sometimes 
is because we've forgotten about our position and we've forgotten about the promise and the living hope that comes with it. And so for the rest of our time, what I wanna do is I wanna talk to you about three things. I wanna talk to you about how to get living hope and I wanna talk to you about what living hope empowers us to do and then I'll close with some final encouragements concerning the process. And so how do I get living hope? Well, it's simple. Living hope begins at being born again. Living hope begins at being born again. So we all have a birthday when we were physically born, right? I was born in February of 1980. Yes, that makes me 40. Let's not talk about that. Um, but we all have a day when we were born. And so what does it mean then to be born again? Well, I have a physical body that was born, but I was also born with a spirit that lies dead within me. You see, God created humans with the capacity to understand him and to be in fellowship with him. That spirit side of us that, that was designed and created to be in communion with God, but because of our sin, that capacity is dead. We're born that way. And so being born again means that that dead spirit within me comes alive. And my ability to be in fellowship with God is restored. That's being born again. And you might say, well, why do I need to be born again? Well, as I said a few moments ago, our physical birth comes with a sin nature that separates me from God. And so by nature, I go around sinning and kind of living my life as I please. And there's a problem with that. And the problem is that the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And so my paycheck for all of my sinning and all of my living life how I want to, my paycheck for that is death, but not physical death, spiritual death or eternal separation from God. And that's bad news, but here's the good news. The good news is that we can be born again. Okay, our capacity to know God in a personal way and to fellowship with him can come alive. How? Well, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who died for my sins. And the Bible tells us that if we repent of those sins and follow Jesus, we will be born again or saved as we often say it. Okay, and so that right there, being born again activates living hope. So how do I get living hope? I have to be born again. I gotta ask you today, are you born again? As some of you think about that, I know that many of you are watching or listening and you are already born again. Now, for those of you who are, I wanna try to answer one question and then offer you some encouragement concerning the process of sanctification. So for those of you who are born again, here's the question. What does this living hope empower me to do? As a child of God with living hope, what does it empower me to do? Well, let's look at 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 15. 1 Peter 1 13 through 15. Keep in mind, 
This is an exhortation that Peter shares with these believers that he just encouraged about their position and about their inheritance and about this living hope that they have and, 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 and this praise to them, right? All glory to God, but this, this praise and encouragement to them for loving the Lord and for obeying him and having joy as they go through trials. This is what he says to them. Okay, what does living hope empower me to do? Look, let's look at 1 Peter 1, 13 through 15. He says this, he says, gird up your minds, be sober, set your hope fully <clears throat> upon the grace that is coming to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. I have another <clears throat> 45 minute sermon on just that verse, that passage right there. But for the sake of time, all I want you to see from that text is this, this principle right here. Conduct conforms to passions. Peter wants them to realize this, that, that their conduct conforms to their passions. What does that mean? Well, before being born again, we were ignorant to the beautiful truths of the gospel and the promises of God. And so not knowing the Lord, what did we do? We set our hopes on things of the world. And our conduct is quick to follow that. Right? But now, because we are born again and we have living hope, what happens? Our desires shift from things of this world to the things of God. And so holy conduct should then follow. And so what does living hope empower me to do? It empowers me to be holy. What does holiness look like? Three things. Number one, living hope empowers me to love the Lord by obeying his commands. Living hope empowers me to love the Lord by obeying his commands. I know that times are tough. I know that you may be going through difficulties right now. But in the midst of it all, you have living hope. And that living hope should empower you to obey the Lord through the difficult times. Number two, living hope empowers me to be a person of inexpressible joy in the midst of trials. Sometimes people look at me and they go, Will, how in the world do you have this joy when all this is going on? It's because I have living hope. It's because I have a joy so deep inside of me that even the worst circumstances in my life can't take it away. Living hope empowers me to be a person of inexpressible joy. And number three, living hope empowers me to trust the process. Living hope empowers me to trust the process, to know that God is in control, that God has a much larger process going on that I don't even see or understand sometimes. But by faith and <laughs> belief and through living hope, I can just trust that he's working. I can just trust 
that when I get on the other side of this process, I have an inheritance waiting for me in heaven for all eternity. Listen, hope is the vehicle for staying on the right path. Hope is the vehicle for staying on the right path. Don't let your vehicle get out of alignment just because of your circumstances. Okay, that's gonna quickly get you on a path of sin and on a path of misery and on a path of questioning your position and the promise that God's given you. Okay, so with that, let me just encourage you guys with some final thoughts. Number one, I wanted you to know that the process is a team effort. And there's no I in team, okay? You don't have to go through what you're going through alone. And you shouldn't, okay? God designed you and me to go through the process with others who are going through the process. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says it this way. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Can I just ask you today, have you developed a habit of neglecting to meet together? And you say, Pastor Will, we, it's been a safer at home order, right? Like businesses have shut down, we've been told to stay at home, I get it. No judgment, no guilt for obeying the safer at home order. But you know what I learned through this process? What I learned through this process is that sometimes we have to get creative with our method of obedience, right? Safer at home did not mean that we suddenly got, get to stop obeying the Lord. Through this, I've learned, man, I've gotta get creative with my obedience. And so when the government says, hey, we're not telling you you can't gather as a church, but we're telling you that it's not safe. Okay, let's get creative. Let's get on Zoom and let's still gather together. Let's get creative and let's do church online, which by the way, has reached more people than we can even imagine, right? Sometimes you gotta get creative in your obedience. And, and, and specifically what we're talking about here is not neglecting to meet together. This, this safer at home thing, COVID-19, like this, this whole season, I, I believe, has paralyzed a lot of people and isolated a lot of people. And I would go as far to say that isolation is disobedience. And so during this process, right now, the season that we're going through, it's, I know it's filled with challenges and uncertain times, but we need each other. We need each other. This process is a team effort. There's no I in team. Don't continue to go through it alone. And then here's the last thing. I want you to know that the process begins with God and it is completed by God. And that's really good news. Philippians 1.6 says it this way. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Imagine with me for a second that you're in the middle of a losing season, all right? Not hard to imagine right now considering the circuit, current circumstances. 
But imagine with me that you're in the middle of a losing season. You and your teammates uh, are in the locker room after a hard fought battle. You lost the game, your heads are hanging low and you're discouraged. And then suddenly, coach walks in with the championship trophy and says, hey team, get your heads up because the championship trophy is yours. You've won it, it's been secured. How would that change your perspective? My guess is that you would begin from that point on to compete as those who have already won, right? And your team would be able to trust the process with all of its ups and downs. Why? Because you would be certain of the outcome. Can I just tell you, when it comes to the process of the Christian life, the final outcome is not in question despite how your circumstances might appear. And I'll say this too, God's promise overshadows every season of doubt, every season of defeat, every season of loss, because the victory has already been won. And so as you live in the gap, remember who you are and what team you're on, okay? You are a child of God and you are on team Jesus. And don't forget the person that you will become and the promise of God, right? You are destined to become a glorified citizen of heaven and you are promised an inheritance that's pretty stinking amazing. My prayer for you is that those truths activate living hope inside of you and that it helps you trust the process.